sometimes when you do messy church, we have to work through messy stuff. And today, I think for some of us who are struggling in doubt or fear or anxiety or worry or struggling in areas of our life, as we kick off this four-week teaching series, I believe that God is going to challenge some of us in major ways in our faith. To build our faith up in a way that we're unashamed. And, and I didn't say this earlier, can we thank the band and the volunteers and everybody that puts all of this on every weekend and after doing this for 10 years, since we planted the first Mercy Road Church, I'm amazed at the people willing to jump all in and follow the Lord. And I want to show you this morning, through the story of Elisha, exactly what that type of faith looks like. See, I think that some of us, we've been living on the edge of faith for a really long time. You know about God. You've heard the story of Jesus you might even believe in God or even believe in Jesus, but to jump all in, you've never done that. And I know that uh, this time of year, usually for many of us, we're, uh, you know, kind of get downcast a little bit. It's getting colder this week. I believe one day the high is going to be less than 10 degrees. Who is excited? We're going to begin to lay hands and pray on the three people that just woohooed that, man. And I'll tell you that, like, uh, this time of year, I know we can kind of get down. I mean, we're going to celebrate the Colts making the playoffs later this afternoon. So we're going to have some things to celebrate. That's awesome. At the last service I said that, there, one person clapped. And I was like, who are you fans of? They were like more Raiders fans than Colts fans. So you need to pray for 9 a.m. We need more Christians coming to that service. But I, I was, uh, you know, I share all that. I want you to picture for just a second, because it's this time of year, where we feel like, man, it kind of get a little down. I want you to picture for a moment that it's actually 85 degrees outside. And you're poolside. Come on now. With a lemonade, with one of those umbrella straws. And you've been lounging, uh, soaking in some heat. You're getting a little warm. And there's a chilled pool for you to, to get into. See, I believe that there are two type of people in the world. The person that eases their way into that chilly pool after getting warm in the sunshine. How many of you ease your way in? It's like a 15-minute process, right? It starts with the toes and work your way up. Um, I'm not like you, okay? I want to get it over with. I want to get that cool, coolness. How many of you are like, I'm cannonballing into the deep end? Come on. Now, this is the cannonball into the deep end series when it comes to following Jesus in our lives. And we're going to challenge some of you to get up on the edge of that pool, spiritually speaking, and jump all in and say, I, I give up. I give up. I'm going to have the humility to actually see you move in my life, to stop living on the edge of the faith and actually jump in. That's what we want to study. Are you ready to study God's word together, church? Come on now. Uh, turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. As you're turning there, little quick announcement. Uh, Pastor David did a phenomenal job kicking off our theme for the year, the year of the word. We're challenging everybody in our church family, online and in person, to get into God's word like never before, to get hungry for it again, to hear from God through scripture, to understand it. And, and I've got, we got two studies this morning. One of these wasn't available last weekend that you can get out at the Connect Center where the concrete countertop is. And the first one is this. If you're like, dude, I, I've tried to read the Bible, but I read it and it makes no sense to me. Talking about the Gentiles and the Chaldeans and I don't know what's going on. Uh, this book is for you. It's called The Bible Recap. 
And there's actually a podcast that goes with it. We have a limited number available uh, for purchase out there. We're not trying to make any money off of it. We just want to get these into your hands. And you will walk through the Bible chronologically. And this is essentially a relevant commentary to help you understand every portion of Scripture. And then two, for those of you that maybe you're like, I I want something a little bit deeper, these free resources available out there, it's just printed off from online, the Bible Project, phenomenal resource online, and it has a Bible reading plan to go through the whole Bible in a year, and it has uh, amazingly theologically well-done, developed videos that go with a lot of the Scripture. And so I challenge you, will you accept the challenge? to get into God's word this year. And that's why we're starting off the, the year by just studying in old, the Old Testament, beginning in 1 Kings 19, the story of Elisha. If you're unfamiliar with Elijah, Elisha, he often gets confused with Elijah. Elijah was this great prophet of God who's the only prophet left, who stands up to the 400 fro- uh, false prophets of Baal and actually believes that God is gonna move and he sees God rain fire from heaven and burn up a sacrifice on the altar, even though it was soaking wet. Any of you guys remember that story? Do you remember what happens right after that story? This is so indicative, even for many of us who've been Christians many years. He just saw God bring fire from heaven, and he gets afraid for his life, and he goes and hides. I would think if God brought heaven from the sky, he could care for you. But even Elijah struggled at times with trust, and he's there praying, and he's calling out to God about what to do. And in that moment, God speaks to him. And it's not in the earthquake, it's not in the wind, but in the still small voice of the Lord. How many of you this year need to hear for the still small voice of the Lord? To quiet ourselves enough to actually hear from him. And what he tells him is to go and anoint this farm boy who's not a priest, who has no reason to be the next great prophet of God, to go and pray over and anoint Elisha as the next prophet. And so it brings us to 1 Kings 19 when Elijah's doing that very thing. It says this, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Stop there for just a second. Do we have any farmers in the room? Do we have any farmers that have ever used oxen? No, most of us don't even know what that is. I I had to look this up. How many of you thought that oxen was like a special species of animal? It's not. It's just a cow. I didn't know that. Did you know that? It's just a cow or a steer that has been trained on how to pull things. These strong oxen would be developed and bred and trained to pull. It was the only way that they could plow fields for agricultural use for millennia That was the primary way that you did agricultural work until tractors came around. And so Elisha is just a farm boy that's out there plowing the field and the one prophet of God shows up and is gonna pray for him and say, it's time for you to go. And I don't know about you, but if that happened to me, I'd be like, what are you talking about? I got work to do. But Elisha's gonna respond and he's gonna leave the oxen behind which again, by the way, my only familiarity with oxen was from a 1980s computer game. Anybody remember Oregon Trail? I just knew you didn't want to lose those oxen, man. But like here, he's going to leave it behind. Look with it. Elijah went up 
uh, to him and threw his cloak around him. That was significant. It, it, it symbolized that his mantle was being passed to him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took, check this out. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people. And they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. In that moment, it's a very simple message this morning. In that moment, that one choice will lead to the life of impact that Elisha would see. He would become, by the way, the most miraculous prophet throughout the entire Old Testament. He will perform more miracles of God than any other human being in human history recorded in scripture other than Jesus. He will make an ax head float. He will divide the Jordan River. He, he will uh, literally raise a man from the grave with his own bones. Like he sees these, he calls bears and commands them to do his bidding. Like it's crazy the things that happen, even purified poison stew. He he does miraculous things that all began with the simple action of Elijah saying, leave and follow me. And he does it. I think for some of us, as we're still kicking off a new year, It's time for some of us to burn the plows in our lives, to leave the things in the past that are preventing us from seeing our God-sized future. And that's what I want to talk about. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for every person here. You know, I've done this for a long time, Lord, and the, the longer I go on, I thought I would feel more adequate to share your word. And the reality is, Lord, that I'm just another human being, and I struggle with this very issue in my own life. God, where convenience, the the things in our lives that distract us from jumping off the deep end and going all in and prioritizing what you're asking us in our life, each of us struggle with that, Lord Jesus. So I just pray that you would speak to us, take my words away, replace them with whatever you have to say through your scripture. We give you this morning, we pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen, amen. Uh, I'm gonna be real with you. This morning, it is simple, but I'm also getting a little personal, which I don't know why I've been like a little emotional about it, which makes me super uncomfortable. Anybody else get uncomfortable with emotions? Yeah, I'm gonna ask you to respond to those this morning. To actually believe that God still talks to us. See, when I was a young man, uh, I was somebody who grew up around Christianity, and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time because most of you know my story, but I was wanted nothing to do with God, really. I was doing all the things that young people do to, you know, separate ourselves from God, doing the party scene and trying to pursue things that had no eternal worth. And I went through a difficult time where someone in my life that I cared about attempted suicide, and it was very difficult and went through a very traumatic experience and began to go, what is the purpose of all this? And even though I was pursuing unhealthy things in my life, uh, most people would look at my life and say that I was successful as a young person in school and, and achievement and success was something I really valued. And I began to go, well, what is, what's the purpose of that? If I go and get a good job and I, uh, it looks good in the community and I provide for my family, like those are, those are good things. Those aren't bad things. But in the end, what was really the purpose of this life? And that self-reflection began to go, okay, well, there's got to be more to life than just a nine to five, some fun vacations, some good weekends, 
today some nice cell phone apps and four hours of Netflix. And so I believe that there is, and we know that there is, but the reality of acknowledging that, even now as a 40-something adult who's trying to follow the Lord, going through the monotony of every day, sticking with and grinding out what life looks like to survive, many of us get to a position where we're not seeing these miraculous works of God, this risk-taking for the Lord, burning the plows in our life. We're just seeing the same keyboard every single day. And, and I was thinking about this and the story of Elisha, you know, we, we can underplay this of what his life was like. He was a farm boy, you know, many millennia ago, around 900 BC, who was going out with 12 oxen every day and plowing the fields. And he was taking care of the crops. And we think, okay, well, he's a farmer. But think of this just for a second. Every day he woke up he went out and did hard work, got calluses on his hands with the smelly animals. And what's he staring at all day? He's staring at the rear ends of oxen. Now, I know that your life may not be the most amazing thing in the world and it may be monotonous and you may get tired and how we've been changing a lot of diapers in the last few years. And maybe for you, it's at your workplace doing the same thing over and over again, but you're not going to work every day and staring at oxen rears. I know that. And yet... He didn't fall into that temptation of that this is all there can be to life. And sometimes we think, man, I hit that sales quota last year. This year, I just got to hit the sales quota again. And if I don't, I got all this pressure. And that's all that life is. I got to take care. And look, I'm not playing down. Like sometimes raising children and doing some things takes grinding it out and monotonous actions. And sometimes doing the ordinary things in extraordinary ways is the best thing you can do to follow Jesus. But what I want to challenge you today is, that some of us need to stop living on the edge of faith and jump all into the pool and say, God, I'm going to begin to live differently. When Elijah went up to Elisha in First Kings 19, he threw his cloak around him. This mantle signified that he was now under the care of God. And, and the Bible teaches that when you give your life to Christ, the Spirit of God can come into your life, that you are now in the care of God. Romans 8 says that when you're at your lowest of your lows and you can't even utter a word, the Spirit of God will groan for you, that his care is for you, that you are his creation, that he loves you, that he's redeemed you, and he has a calling on your life. And you may not have the calling to be anointed by God to make axe heads float. I don't know but he has the calling to help those in need and proclaim the good news of Jesus until he returns or until this life is over, to live for eternal things. And so I want to give you just two simple ways to jump off the edge in 2022 and say, God, use me. And I love this morning because it's really simple. I get to show an amazing video clip that I, I rarely get to have time to show that. And number two, I have two uh, simple points and both of them rhyme. I don't want to underplay how difficult that was, so I'm really excited. First point is this. You don't have to know in order to go. Can I get an amen? Come on. That, that for some of us, we need the five-year plan of the strategic order of what this is going to look like. I need the salary with the benefits and what the whole package looks like, and I need you to tell me who my husband or who my wife is going to be, and I'm not going to do what you're asking me until you show me what I need. That didn't work out for Elisha. Look what happens here again in verse 20. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah, just leaves him. And in a moment, he's going to do more than that. He leaves him, and then he says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. He said, and then I will come 
with you. He didn't have to pray about it. He didn't know the, the salary package involved. He didn't even know where they were going. He didn't, and nothing wrong with this, but he didn't even get to consult wise counsel or his therapist or anything. He just leaves it all behind and he goes. Because he knew in that moment, the opportunity had occurred that God could use his life and he wasn't gonna leave it behind. He didn't weigh the pros and cons. He responded in the present. And sometimes God's direction comes in very vague responses like that. Just come on. I'm reminded of the early disciples of Jesus. Their whole message was just drop your nets and just, just follow me. He didn't tell them where they're going, how it's all gonna work out. He didn't tell them, hey, one day I'm actually gonna be crucified the most shameful way that a human could die. And then you will be left to spread the good news of my death and resurrection with the entire planet. He just simply called them to follow and they had to respond. It's the same with Elijah. God's directions are often vague. Think of Moses. He says, go to the land and I'll just show you. <laughs> He's gotta go get to the Red Sea, and he doesn't really even explain what's going to happen, but he parts the Red Sea and protects them from Pharaoh and his army. And I say it all the time, everybody wants to see the Red Sea part in their life, but no one wants to stand at the edge of it with Pharaoh coming to kill you, having to trust that the Lord is going to provide a way. Peter himself, and his response, just come, come and follow me. That's it. And sometimes those vague responses from God in our life is all we need, but it, it's difficult for the marriages that are struggling, sometimes the simple thing is just stay. Just stay. You don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know how the problems of the last 40 years that, that you guys can never get over what the Lord is going to do. You don't have any response. You don't even know if it's going to be better. The Lord just says stay. Because I want you to begin to see a new work in your marriage. For some of you with your health, the, the response is just trust or for some of you, God's given you an idea of how he's calling you to live on mission through an outpost and it's just start it. And he's given you that message for like five, 10 years and you still haven't started it. Sometimes you don't know, you just have to go and you just have to trust that the Lord is gonna provide. I think sometimes too in the local church, we're so afraid because we've been hurt before in local churches because I don't know if you know this, in every church there is a whole bunch, a room full of sinners and people can hurt each other. And sometimes it's just the putting yourself out there socially again is a difficult thing for you. And you don't know how it's going to work out. And if you're going to get hurt again, and you're not sure, but you do it because to commit to a local church means to be a part of the body of Christ. You're going to open yourself up. Some of you, that the simple task that you can do this morning, you can forget everything else. You've never been through Rooted. You don't know anybody here. You just attend the worship services in 10 weeks. It's all it is. Wednesday nights, or there's also going to be a Thursday night group if you can't do Wednesday night that you can get into a rooted group five days a week. You're studying God's word, come together, discussing. You're gonna pray together, worship together. You don't have to be a Christian. We've had all kinds of atheists or agnostics go through it. We've had people who've been Christians for 70 years go through it. And so I just want to challenge and encourage you. It starts this Wednesday. So it's the most unique opportunity. And the simple thing is just go. Go be a part of rooted for 10 weeks and see what happens. I don't know what going before you know looks like in your life, but it can be very simple, but it's often vague. Sometimes it's in your bad dating habits and God is just like, you just need to break up because you know this thing's unhealthy. And you're like, well, I will totally do that when you give me a better option. And that's not how it works sometimes. It's just, I'm gonna honor the Lord. I'm gonna go before I even know. Number two, if you're taking notes, if you wanna, I love this one. 
You don't have to love it. But if you want to be a spiritual beast, you're going to have to hold on to the least. Come on. Some of you, you know, sometimes we like talk to Christians. Like if you were in a coach, like in a, in a sporting event, like we're going to build you up to make you the best competitor you could possibly be. And I feel like sometimes we, we don't do that in the spiritual world and we create the wimpiest Christians alive. And we think, well, what, what can I do to get to heaven? That's all I'm really concerned about. Well, what if you actually were used by God the way that Elisha, Elijah were, and all in the New Testament Christians were? The people who will be used the most by God is what hold on to the least, to have the fewest sacred cows that say, I will do and go wherever you call me. Look what Elisha does in this passage. Verse 21, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. It was his livelihood. It was the way, he took all of them and he slaughtered them. Now, one of the things that uh, theologians believe is this was a form of sacrificial offering of the fattened calf that they were celebrating the anointing of the Lord in that moment. And then everybody's gonna eat and enjoy and they're celebrating what the Lord is doing. But what's really unique is not just that he slaughtered the oxen, but look at the second part. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. It was like he was putting a stake in the ground. There is no going back. I will never be a farmer again. I didn't just, he didn't just slaughter the oxen. He burned the plow because he didn't want a plan B when it came to following the Lord's calling in his life. Some of you, the Lord has been working and chiseling away at you spiritually for years and decades, and you've known about God, you've believed in God, you even believe in Jesus, and even going to heaven when you die, but you're never going to see the stories this side of heaven of how the Lord could use you because we hold on to so many things. I will follow you, Lord, as long as my house looks like this, my automobile looks like this, my vacations look like this. I will follow you, Lord, as long as you provide him or provide her, or we have all these caveats, the things that we won't, we will follow God so long as this doesn't get in the way. And I want to tell you, those things aren't bad. But those who are used most by God usually hold on to the least in this life. They're all in. They're not easing into the pool. If you're that person, it's cool. But they're jumping head first, cannonballing right in to that thing and saying, God, use me. There's stories of faith like this in our church. You know, I, I told you I was going to get a little bit personal, but like when, when we first moved uh, here from California to start the first Mercy Road Church, you know, if you're new to the church, there are four Mercy Road churches, a part of 22 churches within Multiply, Indiana. We've been a part of starting, and we believe that the Lord is moving today, going to reach a million people for Christ by the year 2050. March for a million is coming up on March 20th. Be praying about that. We're going to do 22 days of prayer and fasting leading up to it. We're going to believe that God is going to change our state. Last year, we had 72 churches participate. We believe even more are going to do it at the Circle Center, downtown Indianapolis. But I want to, I want to tell you that God is on the move like that. But, but if we hold on to things, we're going to miss what he's doing. And I was thinking about when we first started the church, I had this, three friends of mine from high school that God said, they're going to help start the church. And that felt so weird to me. And then I got to see two of them, you know, essentially give their life to Christ and be baptized. One of them who wasn't a Christian before we started the church, him and his wife got baptized in that tank the night before their wedding. I've seen what the Lord can do when we actually respond to what he is calling us to do. And I think about my own wife who grew up in Southern California, and I share this often. You guys remember the story or the TV show Saved by the Bell? 
You remember the Valley Girls in that show? Yeah, that is how, that's where my wife is from. She, when she's on the phone with her friends, she's like, I totally couldn't even believe, you know, like that's how she talks. And you thought that wasn't real, but it's real. And she moved from there to Indiana. And I've always thought about that sacrifice over the years of being willing to be used by God and believe that God had called me to plant the church and our whole family moved and like, we just had to be obedient. And I want to tell you, I have made many mistakes in my life, many things I would take back, but that was never one of them. And we're so afraid. We're so afraid if we follow God that we give things up, we're going to miss out on something that, that we want, that we're holding on to. And we're afraid that we could never even beat some of the things. And so we don't burn the plows in our lives. We bring them along with us, dragging them behind us as if God's still gonna use us in the same way. Dragging our porn addictions, our, our, our lying and our cheating and our lack of integrity. And look, we're all sinners saved by the grace of Jesus and we're a messy church and that's sometimes difficult to process. But I wanna tell you that you don't have to live that way, that you can be free to let go of that. You gotta burn the plows in your life. I think of Justin and Jenna Cruzy, who were committed Christians that just said, we're gonna believe that God's gonna use us in new ways and they left this community they were a part of to believe to be a part of a church plant. And they started our student ministry and they helped out and volunteered and leadership roles, and then they left and planted the Northwest Church. And it's the story of people who are driven by the Spirit of God because of the work of Jesus in their life. The 250 people that left to go to the Northeast Church to plant that church, and now they're reaching over 500 people every single weekend, baptizing new believers in Christ because of the work of God. That there are more people in the other Mercy Road churches than there are at the original Carmel Church. That there are more people within Multiply Indiana than there are in the church. So I, I, I want to tell you that when we believe that we go and we don't hold on to things, that God uses it. And that's what happens for Elisha. He will become the greatest miracle worker in the entire Old Testament, but it started with him burning the plows in his life. I think of Christina Huffines, who came to Christ at the old building on College Avenue and, and, and dedicated her life to the Lord and then started saying, okay, God, what are you calling me to do? And she started this ministry, helping people in need uh, doing couponing ministry. And, and today they resource 50 to 100 families every single month out of our Northwest property. I, I think of the people in the last few years, the atheist and agnostic people who have had the difficulty of leaving family behind or the Muslim person that became a follower of Jesus and their family wouldn't understand it. And they had to start going, okay, this is the primary thing. I'm not gonna sit on the fence anymore on the edge. I'm jumping all in. I want to tell you, when you do that, God honors it. I think of the, the firefighter in our church that recommitted his life to Christ within the last year or two, went through, rooted, got baptized, and, and decided, I want to be used and started uh, an outpost where they make meals because he's the, the cook for the fire department. He, he makes meals and teaches you all how to cook on a very high level. And then they take the frozen meals and they feed. It's called extra helpings. They help people in need with those meals. So you learn how to cook. My wife's been begging me for months to go, never been. And two, you also get to help lots of people who may not get a meal or who are shut-ins. And for those who have struggled in the last year with the pandemic that got sick, we bring meals to them at their home. That's just one person responding to the calling of Jesus in their life. Elisha was not a priest. He had nothing that made him special. The only thing that was special was the Spirit of God, the mantle that was placed on him, which 
This ordinary farm boy had the audacity to ask Elijah to pray that he would get a double portion of the Spirit of God. That you, in our ordinary lives, if we just cry out to God to give us the type of passion and the portion of his Spirit in our life, that we could actually see him work and move, I believe he responds. I think of those who left their lives behind, like Teresa Lee, and quit her job to go work for, uh, to help homeless people through Food for Souls. I think of Ben Glenn, our high school pastor, that for 30 years has gone and spoke at these huge conferences for youth around the, the country, and he left that behind to come be the youth pastor of a local church for the first time, and sometimes it's not easy financially, yet we're seeing high school students and middle school students come to Christ, the ministry is growing, and we've got huge plans for this coming year. I, I think of the people in our church that have struggled with real sin issues, white supremacy issues, struggled with uh, the, the type of sexual sin and burden that you don't even want to bring up in the church. And I want to tell you that the place of healing leads to changed lives, and we are seeing people leave those lives behind, burn the plows down, and say, God, use me fresh and anew. That, that's what you see throughout the Bible. And we're going to close with this. Any of you seen the TV series, The Chosen, on VidAngel? If you haven't seen it, I usually think this stuff is cheesy. It's really good. It's really powerful. There are two seasons of it, and they're making more. And in the first season, my favorite episode has to do with the calling of Peter, where he, he doesn't really believe that he's the Messiah. He's struggling, trusting, jumping in, and following him. And, and really what he's really concerned about is he's just staring at the oxen in his life is I need some fish so I can survive. And then Jesus does this thing in his life that so changes him. He'll become one of the greatest leaders in human history for the mission of Christ. Let's watch this. It's about four and a half minutes long, but it's worth it. Let's watch this together and then we'll close out our time. Put that down for a catch. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word.
Asylum. I told you. I told you. I told you. The boat, it's still Get out! Get out! My brother and the baptizer. You are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am, the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. What do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. as well. Yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish to the market and settle up Simon's death. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> We've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> go, now. Simple calling. Follow me. That's all he says. And they drop their nets. They repent of their sin and have the humility to believe that God is going to go. And I love that last part where he's like, we've been praying for this man our entire lives. The Messiah is finally here and you're worried about missing dinner tonight? The God of the universe became Emmanuel, God with us, gave his life crucified on the cross, resurrected from the grave, spread that story for 2,000 years so that you could be sitting here to hear and receive the Spirit of God to go out and do likewise. And some of us are simply worried about, well, what are we going to do for lunch today? And what are we going to do at work this week? And our work isn't the mission field. Our work is just where we grind it out, staring at oxen all day instead of going, God, I'm going to burn the plows in my life. I'm done with this old way of living. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to get over. This is going to be the year. 30 years of struggling with the porn addiction. It ends. It's over. I'm not doing this anymore. 20 years of struggling in your marriage and saying, God, I, I, don't, I don't want to do this anymore. To have the humility to stop blaming the other person and say, God, use me. We have couples in our church that they were done. They were done. And God redeemed their marriage and they have a healthy marriage today. There's a couple in our church who literally there was infidelity and they divorced 
And years later, through the work of Jesus, got back together and now have a beautiful child together. God has not done the vague statement of stay, the vague statement of come and follow me, that sometimes those simplest things are the most important. You have to go before you know, and you have to give up, the, if you give up the most in your life, hold on to the least. God can use you the most. And so I challenge you today as your pastor and as your friend, as someone who needs this myself in my life, to stop just going through the actions and thinking that this year is going to be different than last year because I'm just going through the motions of my faith. To stop living on the edge, to jump and cannonball into the deep end with God and saying, my every moment, my every breath is about his mission. I will be used by him. I'm going to open myself up again and get involved in Rooted. I'm going to stop talking about the outposts that I'm going to start. I've been through Rooted. I'm going to live on mission now. I'm finally going to go through that year of discipleship huddle, or I'm actually going to disciple someone else in my life and to say, I give up control. I'm burning the plows and I'm never going back. That's our calling. We pray with me, Lord. I thank you for each individual person here. I thank you, Lord, that you have so many stories like this in scripture of the simple thing of just choosing to follow you in this present moment in our lives, not always knowing the future and what that looks like. And I know right now, God, even through that video, some of us just see and we say, we are a sinful man or a sinful woman. And we need the humility to repent of that this morning, to come down and kneel at the front of the stage, to beg for prayer in the prayer room, to not be ashamed, to not be afraid of those emotions, but to respond to what you're telling us to live differently. And some of us who have been Christians for many decades are going to stop just going through the faith and the motions and thinking about going to heaven when we die and start thinking about how we could be used now by you to burn the plows in your life. If that's you and you want to begin to live your life fully in the way you never have, to be all in for Jesus Christ, I invite you to pray this silently as I pray it out loud. God, I, I commit or recommit everything in my life to you. I'm not going to go through the motions this year. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to make my, my workplace the mission field. I'm going to join Christian community and open myself up again. I'm not just going to be a worship attender, Lord. I'm going to be a Christ follower. Use me, Jesus. I commit everything in my life to you, and I repent of anything in my life that's not of you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody once again said, amen.